once again to Raging and Eating. I am Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of The Raging Skillet in New York City. Yeah, baby. Well, here I am once again, rather late in the evening, as we get close to midnight, but not yet. Actually, still a little over an hour before midnight, so that might be kind of early for me. But I digress, as usual. Anyway, a lot of things going on lately. We're rolling in flowers because of spring, and it's glorious. I mean, everywhere we go, no matter how cranky a mood you're in, suddenly you walk by a tree that you never really noticed before. And it's exploding in flowers. I went up on the roof deck, common roof deck of the building I live in, and all these trees that look pretty much dead for the last few months, I don't know, all of a sudden, they're exploding in flowers. A bush that I didn't even realize, or maybe I forgot, was actually a lilac bush exploding in gorgeous purple lilacs just in time for Mother's Day. And I have to admit, I trimmed a few of them because I love the smell. The lilacs always got me out of trouble on Mother's Day because they were my mother's favorite flower. And we had a neighbor who had a tree that exploded in lilacs in May. And I was always in trouble. Well, pretty much since puberty anyway. So I've done some rotten thing or another, cut class and got caught or, I don't know, hung out at the campus luncheonette playing pool when I was supposed to be in sociology, something like that. And I knew that the disciplinarian, Mr. Walters, good Lord, that guy was kind of scary. Well, not so scary, really, once you got to know him. But, you know, he was the disciplinarian. I knew he'd called my mother, so I figured, well, I'll just go and sneak over to the next-door neighbor and get some of those lilacs off the tree and hightail it over the house. And before my mother could tell me I was grounded or scream at me or do any of those lovely things, I would immediately hand to the lilacs. And I would get out of trouble. And so every Mother's Day, I showered her with lilacs and pretty much every rotten thing I did, as long as they were blooming. Well, I couldn't get out of trouble entirely, but it was very disorienting for her. And so, I guess probably because I love the way they smelled, and because they got me out of so much trouble, at least in May anyway, they quickly became my favorite flower too. I remember... When I first got to the city, you know, things were really scary for a while. And one day I went by a market, not even really paying attention to the fact that it was May. And there they were, in big buckets for sale, all of these lilacs. Something not quite as beautiful about them when they're in buckets at a deli as they are when they're flowering off a tree or a bush, but it just brought me back. And so right now I've got a few little lilacs that I trimmed from the roof, giving me that gorgeous smell. And Mother's Day is coming up this Sunday, as I tape this, 
as I speak to you. And so I've gotten a little bit of a nostalgia thing going for all the times I got out of trouble with my mother by presenting her with lilacs. So it's not like everything's wonderful. It's not like everything is sunshine and roses, since we're talking about flowers, or sunshine and schnitzel, since why not? But walking down the street, even if I am feeling a little grumpy and feeling some hazarai, every time I walk by one of these exploding trees, suddenly I'm feeling just a little bit better. You know what I mean? I'm sure you're having the same experience. Maybe you're in Gainesville, Florida, or Albany, New York, or Kabul, or Provincetown, Massachusetts, or New York City, or New Mexico, or any of these fabulous places where fabulous people have really good taste because they listen to my show. But I'm sure you've walked by some of these exploding flowers. I don't know, is everything exploding in New Mexico and Texas too? I mean, in Flowerland, I'm not talking about people getting shot, which I don't know. Texas, you're a little too loosey-goosey with the guns, so maybe that's not the quite the right language for you. Not to mention the fact that you've been acting up a lot lately, and so have you, Florida. There's sort of a wave of acting up happening in this country. Now, I personally, you know, I get it. If you're out in the prairie somewhere, you maybe want a gun to protect your family from animals or intruders. But, you know, do you really have to make the gun thing so loosey-goosey that someone who could be completely psychotic can just walk into a gun store and buy a gun and in Texas walk around with it concealed without a permit and just, you know, it's just a big free-for-all. I don't know about you, Texas. Do you really just want to kill each other so badly? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I think live and let live and stop walking around with guns and shooting people. You know, it's not good for your health. But I digress. So here in New York City, certainly enough people have guns here, but they don't brag about them so much and they don't walk around so freely with them waving them around walking into a bar just like it's a big show at least they have the decency to hide them because they don't want to get arrested you know what I mean but this is not a show about people with small penises who need to carry guns and wave them around this is a show about the flowers and the spring and the renewal and growth and Mother's Day so let's just go back to Mother's Day for a second Now, I think about all the crappy gifts we gave my mother growing up because my father, you know, we didn't pick them out on our own until we were maybe 12 or 13. So my father would pick us, pick out the gifts, but then we started picking them out. So we'd go into some drugstore and we'd get her baby powder or a hairbrush or, I don't know, some stupid thing, socks, whatever, and present her with baby powder curling iron, hairbrush, socks, I don't know, all this stuff that she already had and she didn't need, but she didn't care. She loved it anyway because her children gave it to her. And later on, I started being independent. Well, I guess I was always independent. Then I'd get her a real gift. Maybe a designer baby powder. (laughs) 
or a blow dryer. I guess pretty much the same crappy guess, but just a little bit better. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think about her a lot on Mother's Day. It's hard for the children of mothers who are, who are no longer with us, for motherless daughters, I would say, but motherless sons too on Mother's Day. For a while there, I had a tradition where every Mother's Day, I would take a car service out to Staten Island. It's the only reason I ever went to Staten Island was to go to the cemetery, funny enough. But I'd take a car service out to Staten Island and go and visit my mother in the cemetery. And even though Jews don't bring flowers to the cemetery, I would bring her lilacs because it was tradition. And when I bring the lilacs to her, put them out on her and talk to her for a while, and then because it was often beautiful out, I would also bring a towel and a little radio. And I would lay my towel out next to my mother's grave and turn on some music. And I would just slather a little suntan lotion on and lie out and sunbathe, chat with her about what was going on, listen to the music. We'd have a great day together. And then I would take the car service back to Manhattan. That was a tradition for a long time. It's odd to say, but I had a great time with her, visiting her after she died. And yes, yeah, some people came by mourning their loved ones, and they'd see this crazy girl sunbathing next to a grave and playing music and talking to a dead person. And I suppose they thought I was a little bit crackers, but it didn't matter. I was having a great Mother's Day with my mom. So, you gotta do what you gotta do. So if your mother is alive, I just wanna tell you, please cherish her. Please slather her with love on Mother's Day. Give her presents that are better than baby powder or a curling iron or a blow dryer or you know, any of that crap. You know, something with real heart and soul to it. Take her out to dinner, wine her and dine her. Show her how much you love her. And if your mother is not with us, I'm sorry. I feel your pain. And that's a loss that's hard to heal from. But maybe just find a way to honor her and cherish her on Mother's Day anyway. And if you are a mother, well, muscle tough. And let your children adore you in whatever they give you on Mother's Day, no matter how crappy a gift it is. Just be thrilled for it, as my mother was. Oh my God, did she appreciate those crappy gifts? It's just because we gave them to her. That's all there is to it. So I never got to be a mother, but I did get to be a godmother and an adopted godmother and an aunt or aunt, as we say in New Jersey, many times over. And recently, I know this is shocking, but also a great aunt. Can you believe that? Amazing. I don't know how that happened. And so I try to mother my nieces and nephews and godchildren as best I can. My first nephew, who's a wonderful man now, and he's a father himself and a wonderful father. I got to slather him with love. And he told me many times he thought of me as a mother and that's something I cherish forever. So 
if you never had kids, you can still be a mother or a father. But we're talking about Mother's Day right now. So one thing I loved was after I became a chef, I came home to New Jersey and I cooked things for my mother on Mother's Day. It wasn't so easy because she kept kosher, extremely kosher, so you had to respect that. That's cool. But she had diabetes and my father had high blood pressure and they had a million issues and allergies and things they didn't like and boy, it was exhausting. But somehow I would manage to cook her something and it was, wasn't so hard to impress her because she's my mother, you know, and she loves me. I remember a couple of years I came and did a, my own version of kind of chicken in orange glaze or chicken a l'orange or whatever you want to say if you're trying to be fancy. Basically, there was always all these cans of Tropicana. Do you remember when you could get these cans of, of condensed Tropicana orange, like a puree? maybe in the freezer, and then I don't think they make them anymore, but I grew up with this, so if you're over 40, maybe even over 30, I'm sure you remember it, you would buy these cans of frozen condensed orange juice, and then what you would do is thaw it out and mix it with water, kind of reconstitute it, it would become orange juice. It was very intense when it was in that condensed state, so what I would do is I would mix that up with some mustard, and a little bit of maple syrup or honey, whatever I could find. And I would take chicken, my mother had kosher chicken in the freezer, thaw that out, and season it up with whatever I could find. There was never any salt, but there was garlic powder and oregano and paprika, whatever I could find. Put it in a roasting pan and glaze it with this intense Tropicana orange condensed crap and mix with the honey or maple syrup or both and some mustard and glaze the chicken in that and roast it. And my mother loved it. She loved it because I made it. It was a gorgeous thing. Of course, later on, I got to be a little bit better with my cooking. Started doing more interesting and sophisticated glazes. But I did kind of like that Tropicana orange juice glaze that I made as a child. And it impressed my mom, so what can I say? Now, I grew up on things that I think of as home cooking. I guess wherever you grew up and however you grew up, you have a different version of it. Like my beautiful nephew who I was just talking about. He grew up on my sister's version of home cooking, which was an entirely, all, almost all like TV dinners. So when he thinks of home cooking, he thinks of like a, a Hungry Man TV dinner or Swanson's TV dinner or well, they don't call them TV dinners anymore, but frozen entrees, I guess, would be as close as you get. TV dinners were kind of cute because they'd have the three compartments. So one would be the Salisbury steak, and the other compartment would be the mashed potatoes, and the other compartment would be the mixed vegetables, something like that. I don't know why they stopped making those. They were kind of cute. But so for him, home cooking would be to go to the grocery store and get a frozen entree. That would be his version of home cooking. For me, home cooking entailed a lot of meatballs. Definitely a meatball family. I remember my mother made veal meatballs. This is many years before I came to understand how horrifying cooking veal was because it's the baby cows, the poor little baby cows, you know. It's, ugh, don't even get me going there. It's depressing. 
no to the baby cows. And yet somehow I don't get so upset when they're grown up and we eat them, but when they're babies, it really bothers me. But anyway, she would make these veal meatballs or turkey meatballs, and she would mix them with dried oregano and paprika and whatever she had around, and then she'd mix in some cooked rice. I think they're known as porcupine meatballs, and then cook it in tomato sauce, and that was home cooking. Now, thinking back, I think it was probably bland because we never had enough seasonings, but we grew up without seasoning, so we didn't recognize it as bland. And she probably used way too much rice because she was trying to save money and not use so much meat, so it was probably more like a rice ball with some meat in it. But it was home cooking to us. And now when I make meatballs, I always feel homey. And I like doing all different kinds of meatballs. They make me happy. So... Very often I get hired to cater weddings and they ask for the food to be kosher style. So they know I'm Jewish, they know I'm friendly to this sort of thing, but I'm not kosher and I'm not a kosher caterer. So they basically want food that's kosher style. And in other words, it's not kosher, but they don't want to offend anyone. So if they have a slider, they'll have the hamburger, but without the cheese, they won't do a cheeseburger slider. And they won't sell, they won't serve pork or shellfish, obvious things like that. And not obviously mixing the meat and dairy. If it's not so obvious, hmm, maybe that's okay. But so when I make meatballs for my kosher style weddings, I don't put in dairy. So normally, kind of a traditional meatball is you would soak breadcrumbs in milk or soak bread in milk, whichever you want to do, or combination. And you mix up chopped beef. A lot of people like to throw in chopped veal and chopped pork, but I'm boycotting veal, as you know, and I personally don't eat pork because I don't want my mother to get mad at me. But very often it's the triple threat, veal, pork, and beef. I make mine all beef. And very often you mix with the beef Italian seasoning, thyme and oregano, onion powder, Worcestershire is gorgeous. I like to mince garlic and saute it and throw that in. Or maybe I'll roast garlic and puree it and throw that in. And you mix, mix, mix. Salt and pepper. Maybe a little bit of red pepper flakes. Why not mix in your milk-soaked breadcrumbs and your milk-soaked bread, whatever you used. And you get a gorgeous, tasty kind of a meat thing. You chill it for a while. And then you roll it into your meatballs. Now, I also make a beautiful marinara sauce. I'll cook down my tomatoes with oregano and basil and garlic and give it a little bit of red wine too, because why not? And chopped parsley too, because why not? And salt and pepper and a little drizzle of balsamic vinegar, because why not? Cook that down forever, adjust the seasoning. Usually I'm hitting it with a little more salt and pepper and Sometimes I'll throw in fresh basil and dry basil. Sometimes I'll throw in granulated garlic, whatever I have. So take those meatballs, take a baking pan with parchment paper, put the meatballs, spread them out so they have room, and you put them in the oven. Oh, I almost forgot to tell you. A couple of beaten eggs, too, because they kind of bring everything together nicely. You can do it without the eggs, but it's better with the eggs. Sometimes I'll put a little drizzle of water in the eggs, too, if I feel I want it to be wetter. But 
it's a good thing. So now you make your meatballs, you put them, lay them out on the baking pan, you give them room, and you put them in the oven at like 400 degrees. I mean like a nice hot oven for maybe 15 minutes or 20 minutes, depending on the size of the meatballs. Usually 15 minutes is enough, but you might need 20. They gotta be fully cooked because you've got raw meat and raw egg happening there. Now you take those meatballs out. At this point, what I do is I like to put them in the freezer and just take them out as I need to. So I take a Tupperware or whatever container I'm using and I put a couple of inches of my beautiful marinara sauce in it. And then I sit my meatballs in that, seal it up and put it in the freezer. And then every time I want meatballs, I just pull it out. But if you're gonna eat right away or sometime soon, you just heat up your beautiful tomato sauce and you put your fully cooked meatball that you took out of the oven in the sauce and serve it when you're ready. It's a gorgeous thing. So I never take raw meatballs and put them in the sauce and cook them in the sauce. I'm, I think that's gross and just something that really bothers me board of health wise and contamination wise about it. I know many people do it, but I like a fully cooked meatball. If you don't want to do it in the oven, you can cook it in a frying pan, a skillet, or something like that. But you want it totally cooked, and then you let it sit forever in simmering, not boiling, tomato sauce. And you've got some gorgeous meatballs happening. Now, when I do my kosher-style weddings, and when for myself also, I had doing no dairy. So skip the milk, and I'll just have my chopped beef and my breadcrumbs and my Italian seasoning and my beaten egg with some water. Now you really gotta put the water in the egg because you're not doing any milk. And my minced garlic that I sauteed or my roasted garlic that I pureed and salt and pepper and chili powder and all that gorgeous stuff and roll up the balls and same as above. And now you have a kosher style non-dairy beef meatball and I'm going the extra step these days of making the breadcrumbs gluten-free so now all my gluten-free people can eat it too so I've got a kosher style wedding coming up and they're going to have my beautiful non-dairy kosher sort of style all beef meatballs not kosher but kosher style I don't know it's a thing what can I say I have to say, I've also been in the situation recently of talking myself out of some uncomfortable situations. Maybe I'm using all those exploding flowers to cheer me up so that I can do it. But very often, you have these moments in your life where it's almost impossible not to yell at someone. Almost impossible not to tell them to go to hell. And I've been there quite a bit with a client recently. Um, kind of non-stop the last couple of weeks. An immensely difficult couple whose wedding I'm catering. And no names and no likenesses because that's not my style. But they kind of went well past what you might call bridezilla territory into where they're just terrorizing me and terrorizing my good friend Charmaine who is the catering director which I think it's their own neurosis and anxiety and they have no one else to take it out on besides each other. I don't know how they're going to stay married and their caterer. What I've done to kind of gravitate through that 
been taking a lot of deep breaths and doing some meditating in the morning and some very vigorous push-ups and calisthenics to get my funk out and long walks and smelling the flowers. But also I found a way to speak to them. And it kind of brought them down a notch and humanized them. And what I said was, uh, instead of having an argument, because they seem to really want one, is that I don't argue with my clients. I never have and I never will. That I need to keep a lot of love in my heart so that I can do the beautiful food that I love to do. And that I told them I needed to find a way to keep love in my heart to do their beautiful food. And they were making it immensely difficult. And that they needed to take a break and remember that I'm just a human being trying to do the best I can for them. And so is my maitre d'. And just to chill the you-know-what out. Well, I didn't say that. I thought that. But anyway, I guess I shamed them a little bit because they had been behaving so badly. And when I said I just really needed to keep some love going so I could cook their beautiful food and to please remember that we were just human beings trying to do right by them. Then they took a deep breath and got over themselves. But it really was very difficult not to fight and not to yell. So I guess maybe if we could all take a breath and smell the flowers and just try not to fight and not to yell. And also while we're at it, try not to kill each other. That's happening a lot. And try not to attack each other and abuse each other. You know, maybe the world could be a little bit of a better place. So for the moment, I'm going to go into the kitchen this week and make my beautiful kosher style meatballs and if you're lucky enough to be at one of my events you'll get to try my beautiful kosher style meatballs I call them Mama Rossi's meatballs but in this case I probably should call them Mama Goldstein's meatballs because Mama Rossi's meatballs have the dairy in them because they also have parmesan Mama Goldstein's meatballs are dairy free kosher style and there you have it other things I sometimes throw into my meatballs because why not? I give it a little zing with a little Tabasco. Well, the red chili flakes do it too, but sometimes I like a little hot sauce because, you know, I'm that kind of girl. And some chopped fresh thyme is beautiful. Some chopped fresh parsley is also beautiful and colorful. Parsley doesn't have an enormous amount of flavor. But it is pretty, and it does give things just the right hint, you know? I had an Italian chef in my kitchen, and he made marinara. And he made the most delicious marinara, and basically it was just the cooked tomatoes, chopped parsley, minced garlic, salt and pepper. Mm, I think that was about it. We couldn't believe it. We didn't understand why it was so tasty. Um, And I guess it just was. Oh, a lot of chopped thyme was in it, too. But somehow the parsley gave it a nice edge. So left on its own, not so much flavor, but thrown in meatballs and marinara sauce. Yes, indeed. Anyway, I'm digressing as always. But this is Rossi for Raging and Eating. Talking about my magic meatballs. Well, no, the magic meatballs were something I made in the 80s. And that's a whole other conversation involving... A few illicit drugs that we don't talk about anymore. 
but marvelous meatballs. Yes, that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. So just remember, life is short. Make beautiful food. Don't hurt anyone. Don't fight. Find a way to talk it out. And whatever you do, if your mother is alive, slather her with love this week as much as you can stand. And if she's not with us, just spread all kinds of love in her honor. Because I'm sure that's what she would want wherever she is now. So, this is Rossi for Raging and Eating. And as always, food is love and so are you. Happy Mother's Day.